0: Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Alright, welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I am your host, Adam Diamond, and today we're doing something different. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking to church planters across Canada. Uh, and with me today, I have a good friend who I met through Acts uh, 29 cohort, uh, Harrison Kwok. Hey, Harrison.
1: Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me.
0: Good, man. Uh, did I pronounce your name right?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah. Deadly.
0: Deadly. So, Harrison, um, you are planting in the Yukon, right?
1: Yes, uh, we're planted in the capital city, Whitehorse. And uh, this is my hometown, born and raised. And yeah, we're in the Yukon.
0: That, that's, that's pretty amazing, man. Like you're like literally almost as far away from Newfoundland as you can get. Like in, yeah, can- yeah. in Canada, right?
1: Yeah. And you know, I'd love to see Newfoundland one day. The pictures you, look amazing.
0: You are welcome to come anytime. I will show you around downtown any day. <laughs> cool. Uh, cool. Actually, when we, uh, I uh, I went to school in online, but uh, I graduated through uh, Vanguard College in Edmonton. And we drove around Alberta and there was a line, there was a highway going up towards the Yukon, I believe. And it was a scenic route or something. And mm-hmm. I was so tempted to take that. I mean, we were only in like Alberta for like a week, but I wanted to take that week and just drive because I would love to see the scenery.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful drive. Uh,
0: so Harrison, uh, why don't you just uh, take some time, introduce yourself, tell us about your family, um, where you're from. You said you're you know, born and raised there, but uh, let, us, let our listeners know who you are.
1: Sure. Yeah, so born and raised in the Yukon. Um, My parents are immigrants from Hong Kong so they came to the Yukon about 50 years ago and uh, they actually started up in a place called Dawson City, which is still five hours north of where I am. Really? And So at the time there were gold mines and they were working in the kitchen and uh, yeah, they spent a little while there. My dad had like a little convenience store there as well and worked at the mine and uh, when my mom was pregnant with me. Uh, they had to move into the city because you weren't allowed to have kids at the camp. So they drove the five hours uh, south to Whitehorse and kind of just planted there. Um, started a family. So I was born there in 87, 89. My sister's born and uh, my sister and I live here still. And so I grew up in Whitehorse and uh, kind of had mixed mixed feelings towards white horse growing up here. I thought it was kind of boring, not a lot to do. Okay. Uh, But I did get involved in uh, a lot of sports and uh, a lot of drugs and kind of the party scene and just trying to kill time and causing chaos and vandalizing and breaking into stuff and breaking things. And um, yeah, that was kind of my life. I didn't have any christian or religious upbringing in really any way anything r- related to that would be more of a chinese superstition okay you pray to a deceased war general and you kind of throw uh what would it be like vinegar or, or rice wine in front of like your business like if you were to start a business you'd, you'd put this rice wine in front of the building and you kind of kind of pray for health and wealth and you'd eat chicken and oranges were very symbolic so you'd eat oranges and that's kind of all I knew it wasn't really a day-to-day thing um my parents were amazing very loving family um but yeah I didn't have any background in any sort of faith and um you fast forward a little bit to me going to uh, the University of Victoria and the lifestyle I kind of had here in, in the Yukon was just accelerated like oh sports there's a lot of sports there played a lot of soccer um and there's all this freedom to kind of do whatever so just drinking doing drugs and all that kind of stuff and not doing too well in school and kind of feeling really empty and numb to to life and not really caring about school not really caring about anything and um in maybe it was 2006 or 2007. I had a good friend of mine um, become a Christian. He had this dramatic conversion and he's telling about Jesus and the Bible and the reality of heaven and hell and sin and the good news of Jesus. Um, and I, I just didn't like that message. I, I, I hated that message. And I, for whatever reason wanted to study against christianity Mm. so not just religion in general but christianity and debunk it and try to save my friend who i thought was brainwashed and so (laughs) i kind of went went on this little exploration um reading you know my favorite atheists at the time were sam harris and hitchens and dawkins and watching youtube videos and talking with my other atheistic friends and yeah i was a pretty staunch atheist and i kind of that's where i kind of put my foot in the ground like, yeah i'm an atheist and um i think that's the best way to view life and here we are
0: yes but a bit of a yeah, switch from that to like church fighting
1: <laughs> yeah it, it is it is quite a switch and, and praise god for the switch and but it, ironically it was in that searching and journeying and and um trying to figure out what's going on with my friend who just can't be quiet about christ and his glory and his goodness and so okay i was like all right well i'll go to church and see what this is about like if if i'm gonna like understand my enemy i gotta go to where they go yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> go to church and you know it was all right and but then i started going to alpha on campus at the university of victoria every tuesday they give food and Uh, You'd watch these videos about the basics of Christianity and kind of discuss it at this group table. And so watching Alpha, uh, Nikki Gumbel, you know, going through things like, can we trust the Bible? Mm -hmm. Is it accurate? Is it historical? And, And all these kind of things, stuff I never really looked into. And I found myself being deeply compelled by the Holy Spirit through what he was saying as he was presenting these evidences and these these true things about jesus and his historicity and all these things and i started getting really confused over these i don't know what it was seven or eight weeks of going to alpha each week and um i remember going home to my my suite that i rented just off campus and going to my room and praying on this mattress that i bought at value village and I recommend no one ever do that. And this mattress on the floor in this little tiny room in this basement suite and praying to God in earnest for the first time. I didn't know how to pray. I had no background in Christianity. The only thing I ever knew was what I might have saw on TV, like people kind of crossing their heart and their head or that kind of thing. But I remember praying to God and being like, God, if, if you're real, please just show me. Show me like you have to my friend and to seemingly many many people around the world throughout history and some people who I, I very much admire like these athletes I looked up to they're Christian and very passionate about Jesus. and just show me you're real. And if you don't do that, I'll just continue to hate you and your followers but I just give up I don't know what to think I, I'm I'm pretty sure you don't exist but if you do exist, I'm talking to you right now and like do something. And I, I, I crossed my heart and I did that thing. And I thought maybe the roof of my house was going to rip off and lightning was going to shoot through the doors or <laughs> it was going to be an earthquake. I was expecting like this sign. Yeah, yeah. And I looked around and nothing really changed. And experientially, I didn't think I changed. But I would say like the next day or at least the following, like within that week, as I'm reading the Bible, as an, and as an atheist, I was reading the Bible. I was reading the Bible, study against it. But now I'm picking up the Bible, and it's it's life giving, and it's true. And and when I'm going to church, like I want to go to church now, and I want to have fellowship with these total strangers. And and um, if if they knew Jesus, like I wanted to be with them. So I went to these campus, like Christian groups that I thought were so weird. But then I thought this is the community of God and I wanted to be with him and I gave my life to Christ in 2009 I gave it, I gave my entire life to him I said I everything that I have and everything that you want me to do I, I will do just show me and so I was baptized in the Pacific Ocean with a good friend of mine and then a few months later met my wife Caitlin at Tim Hortons um you know got married few years year and a half after that moved back to Whitehorse and uh got plugged in a local church and did prison uh ministry like bible studies with inmates okay and after a few years of being plugged in a local church god was calling me and my wife to plant a church and um that was after taking a church planting course through a master's uh program and uh online through knox theological S- seminary and In Florida. And so we planted, I guess, six years ago now, five or six years ago, is like our first public gathering uh, through our sending church, Mountain View Church. And uh, yeah, it was started in our living room with a few people, went public, and it continues to grow. And we want to see churches planted all over the Yukon in every community. And we want people just growing in a deep, deep relationship with the King of Kings.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. And so man. that's
1: kind of where we are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So for those listening, uh, so Harrison, you, uh, you were officially planted now, like you were an established church
1: now, right? Yeah. I mean, we're still pretty new, like our first year, like as our own independent mm-hmm. entity, I guess you'd want to call it was January last year. Okay. So our standing church was supporting us with people and with finances and with their systems. But, uh, yeah, we took some time to do that for ourselves. And, uh, yeah, I'd say, I mean, however you want to define established, but, like, we, yeah, we, we're we in a good place, and God has really been with us this, this entire time and just grateful for that.
0: Yeah, praise God for that. So that's, for anyone listening, that's the Northern Collective Church in Whitehorse, Yukon. Um, so other, outside of, like, you living there, and uh, it's pretty amazing that your parents would come from uh, China to, um, the Yukon of all places. <laughs> and then you would be born there. Um, Actually, you're only a couple years older than me. I'm the same age as your sister. I had no idea. I was born in 89. Oh,
1: there you go.
0: Yeah. Um So like outside of having lived there, is there any other reason why you're planting there?
1: I think the call, it, I mean, after university could have moved anywhere, but there's just this strong call back to my hometown. Mm-hmm. And growing up here, like I didn't want to come back. I, I wanted to, grow up and get out right but god was bringing me back and wanted me to see the yukon the way he saw it and when i came back it was like i saw it with different eyes like blues were bluer and the mountains just were amazing to me where i just took them for granted growing up in the river like that runs through is just so pristine the air is you know i think the cleanest air in any capital city in the world and all these things, I'm like wow, like this speaks of your creation, but then there's the people. Mm. There's forty-five thousand people here. It's one of the most secular places in all of Canada. And God has given me this heart for Yukon's First Nations people who are primarily, I wouldn't say unreached. I would say there's some some knowledge of the gospel amongst many First Nations. I haven't met a single atheist. Uh, amongst First Nations, but they, I would say they're misreached, mm. and there's a complicated history within Canada and with residential schools and Christians and the government, and all these things that kind of just make for a little bit of mistrust. Well, not just a little bit. For some, it's just a hatred toward the church. Yeah, yeah. So trying to navigate that, because as we seek to plant in different communities throughout the Yukon, there's 19 communities that surround us. They're Basically, all Yukon First Nations communities. And so, building strong relationships and figuring out and learning from the histories and how to move forward and seeking God's guidance and all of that.
0: Yeah, that reminds me a bit of uh, Labrador here. I mean, we're looking to partner with the church up there. Um, mm. And there's a lot of damage done up there. You know, there's a lot of mistrust, a lot of hurt. Mm. Um, and it, it's heartbreaking to hear some of the guys that have traveled up there and co- they come back and tell us like what the situation is up there for some of the indigenous communities, right?
1: Yeah,
0: uh, it, it's heartbreaking. Actually, I found out a little while back, I think it's my great great grandmother was Innu. I don't look okay, I don't look native at all, <laughs> but it's in mm-hmm. our family somehow, and uh, I have no idea why it was never talked about, so it's, it's pretty interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, interesting. So, uh Big question now: What kind of church is Northern Collective? I mean, here at uh, you know, Malwa Mission, you know, we're looking to do uh, neighborhood churches. That's our, you know, our, our view of church. We want local neighborhood churches. So, uh, what kind of church is the Northern Collective, and why does your community need that type of church?
1: Yeah, well, I, I'd like to think that our church is uh, a New Testament and a biblical church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what it looks like. We, we rent um, for Sunday gatherings, we rent from the Salvation Army Church and we wanted to be at the heart of the city. We wanted to be right mm. in the heart of downtown. Okay. And for several reasons, a, a part of our focus is coming alongside the last, the lost, the least, the forgotten, the broken, the hungry, the addicted, the mentally ill, and those who are just really struggling and Um, so we're situated right by, uh, the emergency shelter, right by, uh, social assistance and the food bank. And we're right downtown and buses don't run on Sundays. And so we are, um, you can, you can walk if if you're downtown, we're right in the the core. Um, and also we meet in the afternoon, we meet at 3 p.m. And we gather and we sing praises to our king. Like many churches throughout the planet, we're, we're singing faith and mm-hmm. we're singing people. And we sing to Christ the king. And uh, we we preach through the Bible. And we hope to build people um, in Christ through the preaching and the proclamation of the word. And so, yeah, we'll have midweek groups, like midweek study groups. And um, we recently ran a, a 12-week a biblical theology of mental health course. We also have a uh, seminary that we've partnered uh, with Acts 29 to to start. And so Acts 29 identifies like 12 competencies for church planting. Um, but this this three year master's program isn't just for those people. It can be for anyone who wants to grow deeper in the Word, or maybe thinking about full time, part time vocational ministry. Okay. But we want to be able to offer this solid theological education not only to people in Whitehorse but to rural communities and have people be able to audit it like if you don't have an undergrad that you can have access to solid theological training where you are in context and so we're excited about that we have uh, one guy currently enrolled almost finishing his first course and so yeah we just want to be people gathered around the word um, right now, with restrictions uh we've we've chosen not to meet mm-hmm. and still trying to navigate this kind of world um but yeah, that's kind of what we look like
0: so why does week. why do you think your community needs that type of church?
1: I remember when um there's a branch of acts twenty nine called church in hard places yep and uh that's the best cohort which we met in yeah, and uh represent <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Matthew Spanler davidson he came up here to Whitehorse. And Mes McConnell actually came up here too, but this was a, a different time. A second time, uh, Matthew Spanler davidson came up here, and he, he's a Scottish dude. He plants in Kentucky and works with some of the poorest communities in the world, raising up pastors and training people all around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's something he said he came up here. He's saying, we being everyone, we need to hear from our Heavenly Father. We need to hear from our Heavenly Father. Above every other voice, like in the news, in our friend groups, in advertisement, we need to hear from our Heavenly Father. And he called the church a place where we carry one another's burdens. And that's exactly what every community needs, is they need to hear from their Heavenly Father, how to be in their marriages, how to be as parents, how to think of maybe or navigate through social media or their money and and do that in community that's the church the church gathered yeah we gather on Sundays but the church is the body universal globally and we need to hear from our father and carry one another's burdens as Christ carried ours so I think it it doesn't get much sweeter than that I think the church is at its best when we're right in there with the word and we are Carrying one another's burdens, and when the community sees that, I mean, scripture is very clear that they know where that the love of Christ is in us, that we are disciples by our love for one another. And so, I think I think that's key.
0: That's so good, man. And I gotta say, like, even your stories is a uh, you know uh, uplifting to me. I mean, we didn't have the <laughs> best start when we started our church plant downtown. Uh, had, had some uh, you know setbacks and stuff, so we ended up in my living room. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. we have four people meeting in my living room and we're at max capacity. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but you know, hearing you having started in your living room and know how, you know, God has blessed you and used you, uh, to grow, you know, I'm seeing that in our own, in our own spots, you? but you know, it's always good to hear someone else starting kind of where you are and see where they are now. Um, the four people that we have are, uh, we have two with a Roman Catholic background, one who mm-hmm. went to a Pentecostal youth group, um, in Ontario and another who has a more of an independent Baptist background. (laughs) So it's an interesting group, but none of them are connected to any local church. So it's not like we're reshuffling the deck or anything. These are four completely new people who are attending our Bible study. And it's fantastic.
1: Wow. Yeah. Praise God for that.
0: Yeah, that's good. So uh, tell me, so what, what makes, in your opinion, um, the Yukon a hard place to plant? I mean, we've talked a little bit about, you know, church in hard places and, um, Canada in general, you know, I would argue, is a hard place to plant a church. But uh, what would make yeah. White, White horse or the Yukon a hard place to plant a church?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think I think there's some historical hurts that exist across Canada, but there's some historical hurts here that are pretty fresh and raw still. Okay, uh, I'm thinking particularly amongst uh, the Yukon First Nations people. And residential schools, mm-hmm. and I, I believe we had five or six residential schools here. And and uh, you know I'm, I meet I meet people who were students there, and some have gone and done very well for themselves, but many still do have um, historical traumas from that. And uh, I remember talking to a guy who he was assaulted at uh, at a residential school um, by a priest after he would say the lord's prayer in english and so i remember going to church with this first nations guy and he would say um the lord's praying his in his own language he's like but because whenever i hear that in english it just like i get chills and oh, i, I wow. get really scared and sad and i was like whoa that is really crazy and so there's just that kind of stuff that i'm bumping into like and and some people won't go into certain churches because either it was affiliated with a residential school or it was a residential school, and so there's that there's that piece to navigate. Um, ideologically, UConn's very liberal, and so there's just a lot of either disdain for Christianity or, or the idea that Christianity is very distasteful, mm-hmm. and um, it's just a rising a rising place of secularism, and th- there's those components. Well, what makes it difficult I think is not necessarily that it's financially economically poor or difficult. I think it's, it's socially very difficult. There's a lot of, a lot of addictions issues Mm. and, and drugs and, you know, deviant behavior and a lot of incarceration and, and relapse and reincarceration. And I think being in small places, rural communities, um, and just the darkness in the winter and all this kind of stuff, it really adds to this brokenness and, and what alcohol can do to families. And it's rampant, it's rampant amongst teenagers. Um, one of the communities we're hoping to, um, partner in a church planting, uh, or a church plant in, in Carcross. We're hoping to partner there, send okay. a couple from our church. Um, yeah, last week, three, three youth, Overdosed on uh, on opiates, and it's a very small community, very tight knit community, but very troubled. And and um, oh, yeah, we're hoping driving church there to to bring light into that community. But that kind of stuff is just real, real tough. And so when stuff like that happens in a community, you feel it in Whitehorse, mm-hmm. even though we're geographically separated. We hear of it in the news, or we hear from it from friends and. It happens all the time, suicides, overdoses, drug abuse, and uh, yeah, it's pretty sad. But we've seen victories in Christ when he comes and transforms lives because they want to adore and treasure Jesus above everything else. And not that, you know, it's all hunky-dory and perfect right away. There's still struggle, but yeah, this is why communities need the gospel and they need healthy churches planted everywhere.
0: Amen, man. That's that's so good, um, and that's that's what we want to do, right? We want to bring the gospel in, and with the gospel comes light, comes restoration, mm-hmm. comes transformation, um, and God can do amazing things. Uh, mm-hmm. But before you go, um, so for anyone listening who you know might be interested, you know how how can they pray for you? How can we pray for you here at Mile One Mission?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I i can i consider or ask you guys to. Uh, check out northerncollective.church/pray, and on there there's all 20 of Yukon's communities and all 14 of Yukon's First Nations, and there's a little there's a little booklet that kind of walks through each community and and tells you about each First Nation. I'd encourage you to pray for the 20 communities and for the 14 First Nations, and to see the gospel just explode across the Yukon. And uh, yeah, it's northerncollective.church church slash pray. And you know, some some people in our church are starting this um, 34 days of prayer, where each day you're just praying for a different community and a different First Nation. Uh, I would I would really be encouraged by people praying for, for the Yukon.
0: Yeah, that'd be amazing. We'll be sure to do that, and I'll be sure to put that link up when this podcast goes live. Uh, cool. But uh, thanks thanks for your time, Harrison.
1: Mm-hmm. Thanks, Adam.
0: Yeah, I'll talk to you later, buddy. All right. All right. Take care. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.